welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services, and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. Welcome, this week I'm talking to Nigel Smith, managing partner of Ellis Jones Solicitors, which have offices in Dorset, Hampshire, and London. As well as his serpentipitous path to becoming a solicitor, the pleasures and challenges of running a professional services business and watching members of the team develop, Nigel and I also cover topics such as adapting to the changing landscape of professional services, Ellis Jones's commitment to community, the motivation behind signing up for the Armed Forces Covenant and the emphasis that Nigel places on Ellis Jones's values, how they live and breathe these values and how they use them to build and maintain relationships. So please enjoy the conversation. Welcome, Nigel, to the Evolved to Succeed podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Warren. Really excited to have our conversation to talk to you about your own career within the professional services environment and also uh, Ellis Jones, you know, some of your successes, some of the challenges you've faced along the way. Um, but you have been with Ellis Jones since 1986 and have been a partner in the firm for over 30 years. So I've got to ask you the question, uh, what made you want to become a lawyer in the first place, Nigel? That's probably quite a long answer to this question because I, the, the simple answer is I, I don't think I really wanted to be a lawyer <laughs> to start with. Um, back at school, I, I hadn't really decided what I wanted to do. Um, but I thought law was a good degree that might help me in various different, whichever way my life actually ended up going. So I thought it might help in banking or financial services or just in, in business generally. So that's why I chose to do law. Um, so I read law at Manchester University and obviously met lots of people there who had, had decided they did want to be lawyers. And I thought, well, I may as well go on and do my professional exams which I did at Chester Um, and at that point again lots of my friends had applied for training contracts or articles of clerkship as they were then but I I hadn't done any any of that I was still not sure what I wanted to do Um, and I I I worked all the way through my university and and, uh, law school um, stage at a holiday camp in just outside of Dorchester, which I loved. I really enjoyed working in hospitality. And literally, most summer holidays, I worked every day. I had a couple of days off, but it was it yeah. was fun working in that environment. It didn't feel like a job. Exactly. And uh, the boss of the of the camp, I got very close to. He became a good friend. He was unfortunately going through a divorce. And one day he said, oh, I'm going off to meet my lawyer for lunch. Do you fancy coming with me? which I did, and we got on well. Right. They were a relatively small firm. It was um, Ellis Fowler-Belcher back right. then. Um, and uh, they they never had a, 
article clerk before and we got on well and basically they offered me a job and I've been here ever since. Serendipity, wow. <laughs> and that was it? That was it. <laughs> there ever since. I mean, it, does it feel like you've been with you know, the firm since 1986? I mean, because you've been on quite a journey. You became a partner relatively very young. Yeah. And it then started, you know, took the role of managing partner at a young age as well. I, I, I don't think it does feel like... It, I've been, I, well, obviously, I have been there that long, but my roles have changed so much over yeah. those years that even in my period as managing partner, my my roles changed significantly. And when I first started out, I was still running quite a big caseload, running a, one of the mm. biggest teams in the firm at the time and managing partner in my spare time almost. Yeah. So obviously, as the firm grew, the client work had to take more of a, a back seat and focus on yeah. running the business, really. And I think it was you became a partner in the firm, an equity partner in, at the age of 28. So you obviously got into the law and the found a burning desire. I mean, what was it that then it sort of lit that fire of ambition? I, I enjoyed the client interaction. I enjoyed helping people. I, I, I specialise in doing what, what's now called dispute resolution. So I, people right. always coming to me with a, a problem yeah. and it was very satisfying to see them come to you in a, in a, often in a bit of a mess yeah. and come out the other, other side. Um, you know, in a much more positive place, and that, I still get some pleasure out of that. So, for example, I was in Sainsbury's, I think, last Saturday, and a chap came up. I was in, in the opposite tilt, paying for his shopping at the same time as me, and he shouted across, "Hey, Nigel!" And I, I recognised him from about twenty years ago, and I'd done his personal injury case for him, okay. and he took great joy in introducing me to his wife, who I'd never met before, and then telling me about the holiday they'd had. Um, on the back of the compensation that you got back then, so it's that, that's very satisfying. Yeah. You know, things like that, and so it is that human interaction, that human kind of contact point that means that you enjoy professional services so much. Absolutely, and it's not just with the clients; it's with referrers, other professionals that you come across in in the business, yeah. and of course, um, most importantly, the the, the the team around us, the, the staff. Yeah, I mean, obviously, having grown in professional yeah. services, it is all about the people, isn't it? Like, yeah. like you say, be that your clients, be that those that feed you with the work, or be it the team, it's it's a people business, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose that leads on to, that must be one of the challenges of running a professional services firm. Uh, yes, I guess it is. It's one of the pleasures as well. I yeah. think it, it's, I think, one of the things that gives me the most satisfaction is to see how... Um, the people within the firm have grown over over the years into their into their roles. So, I mean, for example, our current operations director, she started as an office office junior and now is responsible for the operations for a multi million pound yeah. business, um, which is great. And have, so, it's not just the lawyers that you see develop; it's the other yeah. people within the firm that are equally as important yeah. to the to the running of the business. Yeah, and I think that's something, and knowing your firm well, I think that's something that, you know, we had in common uh, in Spire, was it was about the people, but it was also about we were one team. Yeah. And that the support team and the sort of professional team were one, which I think makes, is different again within Ellis Jones, but that does make a difference, doesn't it? Oh, it's, it's very important. I mean, the, yeah. the, the, the professionals delivering the work couldn't do it without the... The, the support yeah. team 
supporting them. But uh, so many firms get that aspect and element wrong, don't they? Absolutely. Definitely. So you've been managing partners since 1999. We started to talk about you know, people, but what are some of the other challenges that you've faced in that time? Um, well, technology is something that obviously yeah. has evolved massively. Uh, and I think professional practices, particularly lawyers, get accused of not keeping up with the times with technology. And when I think back, when I started out, the fax machine was an, a new thing. <laughs> uh, we, we were one of the first firms to actually get a fax machine, which was... That was leading edge. <laughs> that was leading edge technology. And of course, it was a bit useless because most other firms hadn't got one. <laughs> so all we could do was send messages to each other, um, which normally weren't very serious ones. But... Um, yeah, so technology is obviously something that just it never ends, does yeah, it? And, no, and we've got you know those challenges ahead of us with chatbots and yeah. those type of things. Um, so it it never changes. Um, so I think te- technology, I think demand as a result of technology, the demands of clients have become more yeah. difficult. The, the the turnaround times that we're expected to. So they're more intimate when there was correspondence. Oh, absolutely! You send a letter and you probably wouldn't hear anything until yeah. a few weeks' time. Now, of course, you press send on an email. <laughs> and ten you, minutes later. Ten minutes later, you get a, get a response. Uh, I mean, today, while I'm out doing this, I suspect I'll come back, there'll be 150 emails in my yeah. box that weren't there when I went in, into the office first thing this morning. And it's just, that is a an, an never-ending challenge, I think. Yeah. So technology, client demands because of technology, other yeah. challenges? I think... There are generational challenges as well in terms of um, what different people within the, our organisation want yeah. and what motivates them. Um, because what motivates someone who's in their 50s probably isn't what motivates someone who's in their no. 20s. And so trying to... Uh, so one, one fix solves all prob- um, solution isn't, isn't going yeah. to work. So you have to have lots of different yeah. strategies to try and keep everyone in the organisation... Yeah motivated and that generational thing and there's a lot that's talked about generational yeah, yeah. change and, and you know, different and stereotypal yeah sort of have you really seen a change in maybe the trainees as they come in and what they want in say the last five years to what it would have been 15 years ago i yeah and I, this isn't at all critical of the different generations because when we were back and yeah. we were probably <laughs> probably the same but i think expectations are probably yeah. higher um there's definitely and this i think this is a good thing more more of a desire for regular feedback and yeah. and more clarity as to what career progression might mean those those sort of things whereas i suppose back then we were just i was just grateful for a job I, I mean, yeah. pretty much did whatever but then you progressed quite quickly so there must have been that hunger in you you must have been expressing oh, yeah. that I, I, I was yeah I, mean, I was definitely yeah I wasn't quiet about coming forward as yeah. to <laughs> as to how I you know I, I knew what I was giving what I was contributing to the business in terms of yeah. my personal yeah fearing and so, and yeah. that, that that type of thing and I wasn't quiet about yeah about saying it yeah, <laughs> so, no, so that hasn't really that hasn't really changed no it's just perhaps it needs to be more yeah I think we've become much more structured about that yeah. what, whereas uh, back when I started I guess it was people like me who probably were a bit louder yeah that might have 
And if now no, it needs to be structured, it needs to be across exactly. the board, it needs to be consistent. Exactly. And those, yeah, yeah. Kind of, those kind of things. And given that, that, in that, you know, kind of 30 years you've been a partner, how's your own management style changed, Nigel? Um, I'm probably not the best person to ask this question. <laughs> to be some of the people that I manage, but I, I'd like to think I have become um, much better at listening, yeah. much better at seeing things from the other side. Yeah. Um, much more mindful of how other people might be thinking that everybody doesn't. <laughs> you know, there's various books I've read, but one one of which I, I quite like the title of. I'm not sure about the content, but it's something like if only, if only every everybody was like me yeah. and I think what I've learned is everybody isn't yeah. like you yeah. but it takes <laughs> um, a while to realise yeah, abso- that oh, absolutely it? yeah yeah you can't understand why everybody else isn't as yeah. driven or or, yeah. or, or or whatever it might be yeah. or I mean I, I, I particularly like going and meeting new people for example so going to networking events um, and that is something that I know that a lot of people don't like doing and I've yeah. learned there's no point in making them go and do that if it's yeah. not their natural skill set but yeah let, but find out and understand what people's strengths are and play to and I do think actually that is going back to the previous question about what, what's changed I do think that has changed in that yeah. I think generationally there is a slight reticence to talk talk on the phone or yeah. meet, meet people face to face because I think the way that the younger generation have communicated using texting and whatsapping or yeah. whatever um that's that's their natural environment and so i do think that is a does that interesting give challenge. you sleepless nights around things like pi risk and you know and client risk is that there's a lot more informal communication these days within professional services um I, well we generally speaking we don't use that form of communication. Yeah, for, I, I suspect it does happen, but yeah. it's not. It, it's not really yet become an issue. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So they, yeah, but they're used to using it, aren't they? So they don't yeah. necessarily want to pick up the phone as as easily. And one of the things that I know, you know, you're very proud of is the amount that you know the firm as a whole is really engaged with the local community. And with charity projects. So why is it so important to you that the firm does contribute in this way, Nigel? I think there are a number of reasons. One, I think it's, it's we, we live and work in the community, most of us. Um, and I think it's great to be able to give something back to the, mm. to the community. I think it's also, going back to the relationship thing, I think it's re- really important that that we build a relationship with our local community from a business perspective. Um, and I, I just think it's a, a, such an important part of our, our business. We're, we're not based in one office, so we get involved in the communities where, wherever, mm-hmm. wherever we are. So we're, yeah, obviously Swanage and Ringwood, for example, we support the, 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 the carnivals every year, which are a great part of the, the business yeah. community at Wimborne. Um, we're very involved in Wimborne Cricket Club, which has been mm. great fun, but also really good thing to be involved with. It's, it's just, I think it's just a, um, a good thing to do, both from a business perspective, but also for um, from a giving back point of view, as I said earlier. 
Yeah, it's, I think it needs to be part of the ethos. Isn't yeah. it? We all, I think you, you said the words yourself, we are part of these communities, aren't yeah. we? And as business owners, I think we have some responsibility to participate and engage and improve the communities in which we live, don't we? Absolutely, yeah. Definitely. And along those um, lines, and I'm intrigued because I don't know anything about it, uh, you recently signed up to the Armed Forces Covenant. So tell our listeners what that's all about. Yeah, so... Um that's been driven by one of our our guys in particular who who's in the reserve forces um and i've personally been involved in quite a lot of informal ways of supporting the armed forces um again we felt that they are um obviously a group of people who put their lives in harm's way to help us and it we're in a we are again in a community where there are a lot of armed forces um either veterans or currently serving individuals and again we thought it was a a a really positive thing to do yeah and what does it actually involve um it involves um treating veterans and serving members of, of the of the armed forces in, in, in a in a positive way, giving them opportunity to come and work for us, yeah. that, that type of thing. Um, so we have to we have a proactive approach if we if we have any veterans, um, okay. etc. In terms of wanting to wanting to be considered for a job, yeah. we don't have to give them a job, but that, that type of thing. And also we offer we do offer some discounted rates to okay. armed forces members for certain areas of the work that we do it's really interesting isn't it? because uh, as you know i've just come back from a trip to the u.s and you see there and how they respect those that have served and you know and it, and it is everywhere really that that thankfulness and that um kind of appreciation that people do put their you know lives at risk for the benefit of all we don't do that i know this is a, this is away from a legal conversation but we but don't the, do that in the uk in such no a i think that's right that's, that is very true yeah. they tend to keep a very low profile don't they and um, yeah and i think the way that things are reported for example in our press is, doesn't yeah. perhaps for good reason doesn't yeah. doesn't really yeah. highlight what some of these yeah people do for us definitely Definitely not. So, yeah, great to hear and learn a little bit more about the Armed Forces Covenant. But back to Ennis Jones. Um, I know that the firm has some very distinct values, and it's really important to you that you know the firm does live and breathe yeah. those values. So what are those values? Nigel, I'm putting you on the spot here, good, good aren't test, I? Isn't it? Well, the first thing to say is none of them are about making money. Yeah. They're all about people. So the values are taking responsibility, building strong relationships providing mutual trust and support and creating a positive working environment or as I like to call it having fun having fun yeah and why are those values so important to you as well as to Ellis Jones I think they've probably values that we've had for quite a long time but Mm. until we wrote them down probably six or seven years ago it was quite hard to live and breathe them within the firm because not everybody knew what they were and I think it's it's been really key to helping us be much more consistent across the firm particularly as we're based in on six sites it's, yeah. it's relative i'm not saying it's easy but it's easier if you're in one place yeah. with a smaller number of people so it's just it's just really 
um, it's been a great reinforcement tool about who we are. Yeah. Um, I, I think it, and I think it generally does reflect who we are as well. Um, and that we are, when when I talk about building relationships, I think that's important not just internally, but with our with our clients yeah. and with our referrers and anybody else that we our suppliers, whoever else we interact with. Definitely. And how I'm always intrigued because I think one of the most difficult things that businesses can do is to properly document and put down on paper what their values are. And I think for a long time, new businesses, I think you've sort of alluded to it there, don't do it. And sometimes people do it, they do it through a very kind of class kind of exercise and it never kind of mm. turns out right. And then two years later, they get revisited. But, you know, I, I know it's been a long journey, but you seem to have nailed the essence of Alice Jones within those values. How did you go about actually doing it and what tips would you give to somebody that's thinking about going through that process, Nigel? I think the first thing to do is to actually get buy-in as to how important it is uh, and that it just don't pay lip service to it. So we, it, it, it did take a while to get to those yeah. four values. In fact, during COVID, we added to the um, providing mutual trust and support, we added the word trust because we recognise that in order for people to work remotely, they had to trust us that we provide the the, the support, and we had to trust them that they'd be doing, do, doing what they were doing. So it's, again, it's something that it, I think yeah. it does evolve. But in terms of the process, we spent quite a lot of time brainstorming that. I'm, I'm, it's a while ago now, but I think it was a combination of a sort of a, a, a smaller group of us coming up with some initial ideas, and then we spent um, a facilitated. Um, large part of one of our partnered away days yeah. brainstorming that with somebody else you know facilitate, facilitating it and questioning why yeah. why we chose those those words and then in terms of living and breathing because again a mistake you know I think very I've said this time and time again very large corporates do is they come up with these values and they stick them on the wall and they just get ignored but even in a small business yeah. holding people to account and living and breathing the values yeah. isn't easy is it it's not easy um so we have got things stuck on the walls and mouse mats yeah. and all the, all the, all the you also live and breathe them. yeah yeah it's all those sorts of things um but we again something else we've evolved is our old horrible word appraisal system which was, it used to be an annual thing, didn't it? Back yeah. in most, <laughs> most we used to dread that uh, annual every, appraisal. Everybody <laughs> dreaded. So we've 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 changed that into a review system, which is uh, although it's a change, only a change of word. I think it's quite an important one, um, and that we do those much more regularly now. So we do those on a quarterly basis, yeah. um, and as part of that, we we have incorporated our Okay. Our values. So you're assessing people yeah, yeah. that review against those values. Yeah. Yeah. And has it led you making any difficult decisions in the business? Um, I, I can't be specific about it, but so. yeah, but yes, yeah. There, there have been occasions have where seen that yeah. Happen. And I think, and I think it starts at an earlier part of the journey than that. Is it? I think it's really something that we look at when we're recruiting as well. Mm. Are, are these yeah. 
people likely to I know it's very difficult to judge isn't it but I think yeah. it's something that we have in our minds as to whether they will or not yeah definitely well it's really important isn't it and I, I if I'm right I'm thinking you've got over 170 staff now yes so the team members are around 170 so yeah getting that right and consistent across the board must yeah. be a challenge yeah I'm not saying we get it yeah. right all the, all the time but it but it is but it's it's useful actually to have some objectivity when you're having difficult discuss- mm. discussions. You have got it written down what what our yeah. values are, and we've got we've got other tools as well that we use. Um, so we we have what we call competencies, which again are used yeah. and are consistent across the firm. That started off just at partner level, but now we've introduced competencies at every single level in in the business. And again, we've been incorporating those into our review process, which has actually been quite popular. Fantastic. And if you look at Ellis Jones, one of the things I think that sets it apart, and you mentioned in the values even, this kind of, you know, that fun effectively is is one of the values, having fun. There is definitely a, you know, I've known the firm since 1999, 2000. and I've always seen Ellis Jones as having this kind of unique kind of spirit about him that sets it apart. Where did that spirit and sense of fun come from? And how do you maintain that when you're doing something that's very serious with 170 people um, and, you know, there is challenges every day? That's a very difficult question to answer. <laughs> but I, I suppose to an extent it is slightly led from the, the top. Yeah. Right? Um, and we've had some real characters as partners over the years. Sadly, some of them are not not necessarily with us anymore. But I think that spirit has has lived on. Yeah. And and I'm very proud of the fact that out of 22 partners, eight of them actually trained at the firm, which is pr- wow. pretty unusual, including yeah. obviously me. Um, and a lot of the other partners joined shortly after qualifying and then stayed with us and become yeah. partners. So. I, I do think that going back to I can't remember which one I said it, but it, it, unless you're bought into this this sort of thing, then it isn't going to work. And yeah. if, if 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 it's working at the t- top level largely, then I think yeah. that, that that helps. I suppose yeah. I suppose it comes back to your to not just your leadership style, but the leadership and management style of those senior partners in the firm. Yeah. If they're good at what they do. Um, and very professional what they do, but show that you can have fun doing it. Absolutely. Then actually that cascades yeah. down, doesn't yeah. it? Um, definitely. And when you look at that, you know, what are some of the things that you're most proud of in your tenure as a managing partner? Because, you know, there has been a journey. The economy in itself has ebbed and flowed in that time. As you, as you say, there have been some <laughs> interesting periods, obviously the 2008 yeah. nine here we'd gone through a, in my brief relatively brief period as a managing part then we'd gone through quite a yeah. rapid growth period yeah so what um, sort of staff numbers were you up to going into 2008 I, I, I think it was probably early hundreds or something right, okay. like that right um, and then so an element of scale back as the residential property crash I assume yeah we had to have a, an element yeah. of that it wasn't horrendous but it no, was it happened across the, ha- happened across the board it? 
But I think that, that was obviously a, a testing time yeah. and, and a good time to sort of, as every business does every now and then, have to have a bit of a regroup and re- yeah. rethink. And, um, and we, we learned from that in terms of spreading our risk in terms of yeah. work, work types, etc. Um, but I, I think I was obviously proud that we got through that. I was very, obviously COVID was another horrible period of time, yeah. having survived the 2008-9 and the following recovery years after that, I didn't think I'd probably have to face anything <laughs> quite like... You thought like, you were quite, kind of coasting I thought, towards I thought, I thought happiness. I thought I was coasting towards happiness, but obviously COVID came and got along. And I was very, very, very proud of how we dealt with that as a yeah. firm as well. Um, and I think going up, I had to bang on about values, but I think that was really important yeah. for us in terms of getting that getting through that as a well, I suppose a you had that you know flag in the sand didn't you? Yeah. this is who we are this is what we are this is how we're going to yeah not just manage through this difficult time yeah. but this is how this is what we expect from you absolutely as a, as, as a team member and I think it probably did, did help and I think when you look now and you look at the businesses that have kicked on post pandemic they are the ones that probably have st- strong culture strong values kept their team together, didn't make knee-jerk reactions. Exactly. And then have had to resource the other side to push forward. I think that's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I suppose there is this question around, you know, since 1986, you know, you've been involved with Ellis Jones. You've been on quite a journey, quite a lot has happened in that time. If I could take you back to your younger self, 1986, what advice would you give your younger self? Um, have a plan, I think, would be my advice, rather than okay. react to... I'm not in any way disappointed in the way that the opportunities came along to me, but probably my younger self might have been better off having a bit more of a, a bit of a plan write something down. And what, um, what difference would that have made? I honestly don't think it would have made very much difference <laughs> at all. Um, because I think, r- rather than like you, I'm, I'm not sure I would have fitted into a big yeah. corporate... Sorry, yeah. I'm not speaking for you, Warren, but I, th- <laughs> I, I know you well enough to say it's OK. Into a big corporate yeah. environment, I've enjoyed allowing my entrepreneurial spirit to, mm. to come out which I don't think it necessarily would have done if I joined a bigger firm, which is probably what the alternative yeah, would, have would, would have been. So I just cut out that bit and went straight to... Yes. <laughs> so, although I, I would have advised myself to have a plan, I don't think the ultimate journey would have ended up no, very much very much different. different, really. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I suppose... I'd like to have a conversation with you about growth as well because we've talked a lot about professional services in this podcast um, but we've also talked about values and lots of other things that you know would, would correlate with somebody running a general kind of business in a different kind of sector but one of the things that I admire about what you've achieved Nigel is the fact that you have you know you have grown the business you know there's clearly a hiccup along the way in 2008-9 but you reset and you went again and you you know, if you say you're broadly 100 people going into 2009, we've already talked to 170 people now, six offices, 22 partners. You know, that's a lot of growth. And growing a business is 
anything but easy and to grow a business to that scale doesn't happen without thought so I suppose one of those other big open questions what's some hints and tips that you'd give to somebody thinking that actually they've got a business now they've got some firm foundations they want to grow it what should they do um going back to lessons learned a bit is what don't just grow it for the sake of growth's sake yeah. i think it's very easy to get carried away with turnover yeah. believe you and, might. yeah and and it's not necessarily profitable yeah. turnover so i think really have a do do have a plan um and what we've what we've always done is broken our business down into lots of little sub businesses if you like so that we yeah. nothing gets lost in in terms of hiding um, something that might perhaps potentially be dragging the business down whilst lots of the other bits are going well okay yeah so have a plan monitor the plan yeah, um, and if I think back to how we have grown um, I, I think our, our, and I don't take any great credit for this but our marketing has been good yeah um, our investment in in our website and and technology has been good yeah um and going back to the good old values i think our, our retention of key people has been yeah good um and we've attracted other very high level people from other firms on a lateral hire basis yeah we had a, a dalliance with buying other law firms probably 20 years ago i did a few mm -hmm. um but got a bit bored doing that really yeah. partly going back to the culture and values yeah bit again as it, i think again we've both seen yeah what in whatever business it might be but particularly in professional services businesses where firms have merged and then yeah a few years later they've demerged yeah. again especially or, when you bring bump two independent firms together, together they end up being independent again don't exactly yeah yeah Definitely. I suppose that there's a lot that comes back to those values again. And it does. Sorry, I, I keep going yeah, back Yeah, no, those. but I think it's, it's, it's a really important lesson, isn't it? Because you, you can have a business plan, you can have everything, can't you? But, you know, what's, what's the, the hook that, and what you're going to live and breathe by? And if you've got that, then it makes a lot of decision-making easier because you're making decisions in context. Absolutely. Be that growth, be that hiring, be that whatever it may be. Um, in terms of you know the effect on you personally, because you know leading a professional services firm is not easy, is it, Nigel? No. You know, how do you switch off, and, and what has been the effect on you as an individual? Um, well, I think I've I've learned a lot, that which has been a positive thing. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I've also learned is that you, it is important to have other other i don't think it matters whether it's a professional service or any other business if you're the if you are the managing partner or the managing director mm -hmm. it can be quite a lonely mm -hmm. place Very. so you know I, I my top tip would be to have a network of other individuals whether it's yeah. they don't have to be any don't have to be in your sector they can be yeah in, in any other business because most problems are actually exactly, no, unique, yeah, exactly the same and most of them actually are around people and yeah. and th those type of things so it doesn't matter which business you're in so I've always been involved in a group of, 
of one sort of another now nowadays it's probably less formal and I just know lo yeah. lots of people that I can talk to yeah. um, and and use where you lack the skill set I think use independent consultants to come in help help the business I think that's that's a really important thing yeah. I think too many businesses are too arrogant to think they can and they think they can do it yeah. everything themselves yeah. and they're not necessarily brilliant at doing everything themselves no. so you know, we we've currently used two or three external consultants to help us with various things including yeah. training yeah definitely <laughs> and of course absolutely <laughs> who would that be <laughs> yeah, obviously evolve which is yeah. But but I suppose that that is you know again as as a leader we do we talk about you know we need to play to the strengths and weaknesses of our team but I think you've hit circle the narrow on the head and a lot of leaders owners managers founders whatever you want to call them don't do that for themselves do they no and there's a little bit of arrogance I can do it all and I'm you know very controlling I think actually again to thrive and I learned this way too late in my own journey I suppose but you do need those people around you that support you and you do need to know that what am I really good at where do I really make the contribution yeah. and keep doing that and bring others in yeah. either hired directly or using external consultants um, to you know support you in your role absolutely yeah definitely um, it's been a great conversation Nigel I always end with this question within the podcast so what is your definition of personal not business personal success blimey I'm not very good at talking about myself actually <laughs> what, what my personal success I'm tempted so I won the um, uh, Bournemouth Junior Open golf competition <laughs> in 1977 but that would probably I'm not going to let you get away with probably that probably let, let me get it well I, I think it's it, 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 it's it's actually quite a difficult question to answer because I have been in the same role for such a long time, but I think that it, it would be the thing I'm the most proud of. I think there are very few managing partners across the country that have done the role for 25 years, and um, I think I can't claim all the glory for it, but I. I'm very proud of the firm as it is now, um, and it's everybody wants to leave a, yeah. a legacy, don't they? And if I look back, I'd be very proud of the fact that it started as a very small firm when I first joined it, yeah. and since I've been a partner in '92, it's grown into um, you know, a well-respected regional firm. And I suppose I must have played my part in that, so I'm proud of that. Brilliant. Thank you, Nigel. And if people want to learn more about your important ones and know more about Alice Jones, where can they go? They can come to our website or they can contact me directly. So www.ellisjones.co.uk or contact me on my email, which you'll find on the website. Perfect. Thank you, Nigel. Thank you for being a great guest on the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thanks, Warren. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. 
We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.